0: God, you're worthy of it all, everything. God, you're worthy of our whole lives. You're worthy for us to give up our whole lives to follow you. I was reading in Luke 5 today, and it talks about how when Jesus saw Simon Peter in the boat, and then they told him to go out and cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and then they would catch the fish. And they come back in, and then he says, Peter says to Jesus, I'm so unworthy so unworthy and then Jesus says to him I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And then the best part of the whole passage it says he left everything and he followed Jesus. He's worthy of it all. He's with, worthy of our whole lives he gave from everything. Everything that's in existence is from him. And everything that we do in our life should be positioned so that it's for him and that it's from him. So God, what's that one thing that that we're not letting go of? What's that one thing that we're afraid to let go of in order to follow you completely? God, I pray that we would, have, we would have the courage and that we would have the trust in you to let go of what's holding us back and that we would let go of everything and we would follow you, Jesus. We would let go of fear. We would let go of our immorality. We would let go of our selfishness. We would let go of everything, God. And we choose. It's a decision. It's a decision to follow Jesus, to follow the word of God, the word made flesh. Because God, you are worthy. So God, as a family here tonight, God, help us to encourage one another to follow you. Help us to pull our brothers and sisters along with us and say, okay, you're coming with me and we're going to him. that we would be a people who wouldn't let our brothers and sisters fall away, but we would fight for them with everything that we have so that we can be a people who glorify God with, with the utmost integrity, God, that what we are in our secret place when no one's looking, we would be out in the open. We would be a people of integrity, God. What you see is what you get. No hidden faces, God, that we would present ourselves to you so that you can be glorified so that you can be be used through us God God you're just so you're so good you're so worthy you're so alive you're so powerful you're our father it's in and it's in your son's name that we pray Amen. Can we give God just a big round of applause right now? Thank you. You guys you guys can take a seat. You guys can find your seats. You guys do you guys know Patrick? Patrick's our uh, generations worship pastor. He's the man. He killed it tonight. Way to go, man. Um There's like a great exodus to the back. Everyone was like holding it to go to the bathroom or something. They don't like listen to me talk, one of the two. Um, hey, like I said, I mentioned earlier, we have a special guest, uh, Pastor Karen Waldhart with us today. And this woman, I've I have i have known her my whole life. So I grew up coming to Res Life, and um she's always been here. She's always been a woman of integrity, and I've always seen her, she's she has a she has a gift to to hear from God and work in the prophetic. And I've always inspired, been inspired by that. I've always been inspired by her love for God and her passion for worship. And um, I'm so privileged to have her. And I'm so happy for all the girls who are here because they finally get to listen to a girl speak. All the girls said, yeah, they don't have to listen to all my sports jokes and manly jokes. So Karen, why don't you come up here? Why don't you guys give her a round of applause as she comes up? We know you're going to do a wonderful job there you go
1: Thank you wow i had to bring my sippy cup i'm glad that they gave me a lid and a straw because i usually kick it over so i cannot tell you how excited i am to be here tonight i gotta to see everybody first of all yep it's an awesome night to be together uh can we give it up for the worship team oh my word you guys have amazing worship I feel so at home here because um, if you've ever been to Thursday Morning Impact, we are right here on Thursday morning, and we were talking earlier, and I said it's kind of like, actually Jake said it, it's like we start the the wave, the anointing, and you guys get to come in and ride the wave, so we have some pretty awesome worship too, but um, I wanted to start by just making a shameless plug um, for our women's conference coming up. Girls, I'm talking to you. Uh, We have not had a women's conference here in our own church For 10 years. And this one is for you. And I'm just so excited about this. Um, We're calling it Priceless because um, there's a scripture out of Isaiah uh, 43 that says, I love you and I honor you, and you are priceless to me. You can't put a price on what God thinks about you and how much He loves you. And um, we've got uh, Sheila Walsh coming, and if you watch any Christian TV, She's pretty well-known, but I'm really excited about Hannah who, um who is just a spitfire, um, fun millennial, 30-something preacher out of uh, Colorado. And of course, we have Dan Seaborn. Somehow he speaks really well to women. It's like, just go figure. I don't know. But we have Dan pretty regularly come and speak with us on Thursday morning. But um, like I said, I'm just so excited to be here tonight. How many of you should be doing homework? Yeah, some of you? Okay. Well, you're released if you need to go, or you can stay if you want to. That's fine. Um, but no, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, too. You know, I never believe in just chance um, or fate. We know that God draws us for a purpose, doesn't he? And i just like to pray over our time together. Father God, as we begin tonight, I just thank you that, that you have stirred something in my heart. And like Peter said to Jesus, he says, where are we to go? because you have the words of life and father I want to speak nothing but words of life tonight and I thank you that they will be shot as an arrow to hit the mark tonight the mark in our hearts and I thank you God that you reveal yourself to us in a brand new way to each and every person here and Jake I just have had this on my heart all day and So I just want you to know that God wants you to know that you're a man of integrity and that you walk in a humility that allows him to lift you to a different place. And you're anointed. And you don't have to ask for more anointing. You just stir up what he already has put inside of you and know that you're called. Yeah. It'll be a blessing to many people as you already are. Well, that's not all that I wanted to say tonight, but I feel like we could just go home. I'm blessed. But I just want to just say to you that God is so good, he wants us to know something about his love tonight. But I want to ask you, how do you see yourself? Now, if that conjures up some pretty negative images, you know, we're going to go there. We're going to work on that. How do you think others see you? That's kind of a different question. That may be circumstantial. That may change with the person. And the third question is, and maybe the most important is, how does God see you? You might be surprised at how God sees you. But we're going we're to talk about how God created us. And it's really pretty simple. And perhaps you've heard some teaching on this, but I would just want to lay a little bit of foundation that we need to know that we are a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. And it sounds a little bit schizophrenic, but it's not, because sometimes we think the real you, or the real me, are, is our soul. And that's where your mind, and your will, and your emotions, and your reasoning, and your logic, and your choosers, and your feelers are all, all living. And then there's that body, our earth suit. Uh, someday we'll shed that earth suit you know, and go to be with Jesus. But then there's that spirit. And that is the recreated, reborn part of you. And can I just say, that is the real you. That is where Jesus has taken what was dark and turned it into light, what was dead and breathed his own life into it. And here's here's what might really, really, really get you thinking, is that your spirit, when it's reborn, when you have become born again and you have invited Jesus into your life to be not only Savior, but Lord, you are just as perfect and flawless and holy as Jesus himself. That is the real you. There is no sin living in your spirit because it's got God's nature in it. He breathed his life into it. So here we are, a three-part being, and your reborn spirit is 100% all in, absolutely 100% excited to live for God. And it has everything who God is already deposited in you. And that means that you already have the fruit of the Spirit living in you because does not Jesus have that complete? And he's already deposited that in you. That's part of his life in you. And that means that you have that peace, that joy, and the love of God already resident inside of you. So here's a question. Why do we still mess up? What about sin? Where does that fit in? So if I'm so great because my spirit has been recreated in God's image that makes us righteous and holy, then what about that sin question? So you might be saying, well, how can God call me righteous and holy? And let me just say, Ephesians 4.24 says that, because I'm not going to say anything to you unless we see it in the word of God. And Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new nature that regenerates self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. You have true righteousness and holiness already living in that reborn spirit inside of you. That spirit that's going to step out of your earth suit someday and be in the presence of God. So God calls us righteous and holy. So what happens when we sin is a good question. But just remember, you're a three-part being. Unfortunately, there's only one of the three that actually got reborn and we're still living with an un- unreborn body and an unreborn mind, will, and emotions. And so sometimes your mind takes you back to the old habits, back to maybe your old addictions, maybe the habits that we've formed and the way we think, the way we respond. It could be anger. It could be depression. It could be loneliness. It could be all those things that we've always dealt with. And sometimes I think it's a little bit tough on people when they realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I thought all that stuff would just automatically go away. Well, your mind didn't get saved and neither did your body. And if, if, you, if your mind wants to draw you to that place where you're used to going, and your body wants to do the same thing, guess what? It's two against one, because your spirit is saying, no, we're born again, we love God, our desires line up with God's desires, we want what God wants, and you're all empowered to do it, but it's been outnumbered and outvoted by an unreborn mind and an unreborn physical body. So it's a good question. What do we do with the flesh and the body and the mind? But how does it make you feel to know that inside of you lives the real you who's on fire 100% all out for God? That is a part of you as well. Say, I don't believe that we have a sin problem. I really don't. I don't like to talk about sin because um, that when we talk about sin and teach against sin, it really empowers sin. It becomes the very thing that we think about, the very thing that we focus about. But I'm going to go there just for a little while. But I, I don't believe we have a sin problem. I think we have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are in Christ, and so we want to talk about what the Word says about who. You are. Remember, we started out with those three questions. Let's find out who God says you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, who was that? Jesus, became sin for us, you and me, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ, we're righteous. See, righteousness means right standing with God. And I love to say it this way. If you receive right standing with God because you've received your righteous identity that is given to us, that gives you the right to stand on every promise of God. Everything that God says you can have, you can have, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. Amen? So according to this verse, you are righteous because Jesus took our sin, all the unrighteousness that we have, and he paid the price. He gave his all. And then he made us righteous. You know, that doesn't even seem right. If we can't earn it, then how do we receive it? And Romans five seventeen says, for by one man's offense, and here's another guy that should take all the blame here, right? For by one man's offense, Adam was that one guy who committed the offense that changed everything. Don't you want to talk to him when we get to heaven? I do actually probably should start with eve right but for by one man's offense death reigned through that one he brought death into the world his spirit man went dead the light that he lived in that that was like what they lived in that surrounded them was the glory of god and that light went away when they disobeyed God. And he brought death not only to himself, but to everybody. So now there's that one who brought in death, but much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And therein lies the key. How do we know that we're righteous? How do we get that righteousness into our thinking and into our identity? You receive, you receive it as a gift, It's a gift to be received, not a status to be achieved. There is nothing you can do to earn it except humble yourself and just simply receive it. And God gives it freely. So it's time to stop allowing what you do to define who you are and allow who you are to define what you do. Knowing who you are in Christ, who God has gifted you to be, should change everything. Remember I said there's an identity crisis. We need to know who we are in Christ. So let's ask this question. Can a righteous person still sin? Sure. Sure, absolutely. And then do we lose our righteous standing with God when we sin? Not if it did, did not depend on my good works in the first place. If it depends on a gift, I'm not g- losing that gift because I didn't become righteous by my right doing. I became righteous by my right receiving and my right believing, and it's a gift. So this does not give you a license to sin. I mean, that's kind of a, it's kind of a balance that we try to make, and let me just say it this way. Though sin does not unravel your righteousness it will unravel your life. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And yet there can be a struggle sometimes. Excuse me. So what are we supposed to do about sin? We're still talking about it, aren't we? The most important thing for any person to do is to get born again. Is that not true? The most important thing for a born again person to do is to get their mind renewed. And that's where I wanna go from here. The three-part being, though your spirit is redeemed and saved, our body and our mind did not get saved. So that's where that struggle comes in. It becomes two against one. My mind and my body, they want to do the old thing. It's kind of like uh, you forgot to download the new software into that body and our, and our soul, our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And what happens if you don't do the updates on your phone? Okay. I am old enough to know that you guys are the tech experts, and it comes so much easier for you. If it weren't for my kids, my phone would be a total disaster. Or I have to visit the AT&T store at least a couple times a year. But, and it's usually the same story. Why aren't you doing your updates? I, like, eh, I always press not now, later. Remind me, right? But what starts happening to the phone? It stops working Right? So I come, you know, and I act all innocent, you know, and I give them my phone. It's not working. Can you fix it? All they do is, are the updates, right? They refresh this and that. You know what? If we don't do the updates in our spirit, I, I'm sorry, not your spirit, but your soul and your body, things are not going to be working out for us. Even though we're born again, even though our true identity in Christ is his righteousness that has made us who we are. So how do we get the updates? How do we get the renewal? Let's back up just a little bit. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. Awesome verse. How many of you like to read out of the Amplified, by the way? Any other Amplified fans? Yes. I love it, and I know people um, make jokes about it. Excuse me. They say it's the female women's version. It's not true. It's not true. It saves me a lot of time because I like to look at the meanings behind the Greek and meanings behind the Hebrew. And so all the parentheses and brackets, they're giving you the, the meanings of those particular words if you go to the original. Uh, and you know, Greek is the original um, language of the Old Testament, excuse me, New Testament, Hebrew and the New Testament. So we're going we're gonna to read it, brackets and all. Ephesians 4:22 and 24 through 24. Yep says, strip yourselves of your former nature. Okay, you had an old nature. But when you were reborn again, when you were reborn and, and God made you all new, it says here that we put off and discard our old, unrenewed self. There's our word, right? We're looking toward renewal. Which characterize your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion, I guess we're all deluded, right? All right. <laughs> and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Wow. That's an update. That's a fresh download. That's getting some new software installed here because our mind needs it. It's being constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on that new nature. I love the put off and the put on. Um, Jake said, There's a choice to be made. You know, the whole gospel hinges on choice, doesn't it? It started all the way back in the garden. Actually, it started all the way back in heaven because there was a judgment day that came early for the angels because when there was an uprising and, and Satan decided uh, to to usurp his authority over God. God said, all right, all of heaven, angels choose this day. Are you with me? Are you with him? Because Satan, Lucifer, that angel name of his, he got kicked out of heaven. And here's good news. Two thirds stayed with God and one third fell with Satan because they chose. But the whole gospel hinges on a choice in the garden they had a choice they didn't have to eat from that tree but they did and they made the choice i was going to say the good news is that there's more that be with us than they that be with them for every demon out there there's two angels so he's got you covered right all right so our unrenewed self needs to be renewed in the spirit of our mind romans 12 1 and 2 This is it. It says, do not be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You see, Oftentimes we think that our mind, our will, and our emotions is the real you, but it's not. The real you is that all out, all in, 100% hot pursuit of God and that renewed, that born-again spirit. So here's what we have to do. We need to renew our minds. How? And I'll tell you, it's by washing your mind with the Word of God. It's by putting more of the Word of God inside of us so that that's what comes out of us naturally. Whatever is in your heart in abundance comes out. And under pressure, things get squeezed out. So what's inside in abundance is going to start to show very, very quickly, isn't it? In fact, I always say uh, it's easy to find out what's in people's hearts. You just have to listen to them for a little while because what's in the abundance of your heart will come out of your mouth. It absolutely will. So get, start feeding, start eating on the word of God and get so full and it it will crowd out everything else that is unrenewed and it begins to make all things new. And I like to say, you know what? The word of God it's alive, it's powerful. It will do its work. If you will open your heart and you will allow it to change you, it is transforming. And that's what this scripture says in Romans. It says that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the Bible is more than just information, and it's even better than inspiration. It is for transformation. God did not send Jesus to die for your behavior modification. God sent Jesus to provide the only rescue. It was a rescue operation for each and every one of us, wasn't it? We were lost without Jesus. And he's after your heart. And boy, we sang some good songs about giving him all of our hearts. You know, one good thing about being as old as I am... I told Jake I wasn't going to make age jokes here, but I'm going to, <laughs> is that I have history and I can look back. And I think there was a time in my, my Christian life or my walk with God, and, and I honestly cannot remember a time that I did not love God. I was raised in a, a pastor's family, um, which means I lived in a goldfish bowl. Everybody was watching everything that you did. And I was in high school in the 70s, and my skirts were shorter than everybody else. And it was a big scandal because I was a pastor's daughter. But anyway, none of that really matters anymore. But I think there was a time that I thought the most important thing or I should say the mark of spiritual maturity was is that I didn't have as many problems anymore and I got to work through them, you know, and I just don't wrestle with those same things anymore and I can check those bad things off my list and God's got them all taken care of and I've got them all taken care of, but I've come to a totally different definition of what spiritual maturity is. For me, where I am right now, it's realizing that in and of myself, without God, I'm utterly helpless and I need him so much more. It's my utter, absolute need for God that I've come to realize. And I fail every time in my own strength. But see, God's not asking us to do these things in our strength. Live out of your spirit, get your mind renewed. And now there's a new sheriff in town. There is a new majority. And when our, our mind lines up with the word and our spirit is already lined up with the word, now you know what's gonna happen for you naturally? <clears throat> Addictions fall off. Old habits, I don't even wanna do them anymore. I lose my desire for those things. They're not as important anymore because I've got my mind lined up with the way God's thinking. And there is no better way to live our lives There is no better way to live our lives. I spent about a year of my life making some choices, and they weren't bad choices on the outside, but they landed me in a very bad place because I literally had to turn my back on what I knew God was telling me, and I willfully chose a different direction. I was so stubborn, I thought I knew better than God, and it was a year of my life that I ended up in a college where though I was surrounded by people who I would consider friends, it was the loneliest year I've ever had. It was the closest year I've ever come to a a breakdown. And it was a coming back to Jesus that rescued me. I just finally surrendered and said, God, boy, have I made a mess of things. And on the outside, it looked great. I was going to college. What's wrong with that? I wasn't going to the place that God had showed me. And I willfully did something. Don't have enough time to (laughs) get into those kinds of details. But you know what? There's nothing better than living all out for God. So talking about our mind being renewed so it lines up with the word of God so that our spirit and our mind are in agreement and now we can live a life out of our empowered by your spirit which is just the best way to do but I want to share a story and I'll apologize in advance because I've told this story so much probably somebody here has heard it but I can't think of a better uh, way to describe what God did for me by showing me this but um in not too, i should say in more recent years i had a habit and i knew it wasn't right it had nothing to do with sexual sin so don't get your mind wandering in bad places here but it was a habit that i would turn to every once in a while when i felt like oh, i deserve it Everything that I've been to, I'd start feeling hard for myself. And I knew, I knew that after I did it, I would have to go to God and say, I'm sorry, you know, and He'd forgive me. And then I wouldn't do it for a while. But I kind of kept seeing this cycle, and I was turning to it. And what happens then is we get a little bit calloused about it. And I remember choosing willfully to do this thing. And I was doing my little routine with God and saying, okay, God, I'm sorry. And I realized I'm really not that sorry. Uh Uh-oh, what's happening to my heart? And so I just prayed and I said, God, I know I'm not in a very good place right now. And he showed me what I call an inner vision. And it's just something... It's not spooky or spiritual or anything. You have them all the time. You just might not recognize it. But you know what? God gave you an imagination, and he wants to use it. So sanctify your imagination. He'll show you things. And inside, like on a monitor of my heart, I saw myself standing, dressed just exactly the way I was at the moment. And then I saw Jesus standing over here. And I looked at his face thinking, hmm, he knows what I just did. I wonder what he thinks of me. And all I saw on his face was love and acceptance. He wasn't disappointed. He wasn't pointing his finger at me. He, didn't, he wasn't trying to shame me, blame me, or guilt me, or condemn me. All I saw was love. I went, like, hmm. And then the next thing he did, as so I saw him, and the whole time he's kind of watching my face with a smile. And he began to lay something in front of me kind of like cards, and as I looked at these cards, I recognized my sin, and he was laying it out for me, and I began to see it through his eyes, and I went, no, oh, oh, oh God, don't, just stop, stop, and, and I began to feel very ashamed, but never once did I feel that he was angry or disappointed with me. He was wooing me with his goodness and with his love. And I felt nothing but love and acceptance from him in my, with my sin in plain sight. And let me just tell you, I repented. <laughs> Romans 2, four says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. He doesn't shame you to repentance. He loves you to repentance. And repentance is simply changing my mind. And I realized in an instant, it was like in a download, that God showed me that I had believed a lie, that that sin would satisfy me more than this relationship, this love, this wooing, this, this, in, this completeness that I felt with Jesus at that moment. And you know what it did to me? It changed my want to. I lost my appetite for that sin. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And would God forgive me every time? Of course he would. But you know what? It began to unravel my life. And I'm free from that sin. But it was because of his goodness and not because of his condemnation. Because there is, therefore, no condemnation for who? for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that is you and me, those who are born again. And I, in closing, I would love to share with you a video. And it's animated, but I believe a picture is worth a thousand words. And as we move into this season of Easter, I believe, it is worth us looking at this video to see if you could see into the spirit realm the day that Jesus hung on the cross and what he accomplished for us. I believe it may have looked something like this. Let's watch. took his life from him Jesus could have died anywhere along the way but he didn't die until he was finished finished paying the price the punishment that we deserved he took in his own body he became sin the one who never knew sin became sin for us why so that you would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Let's pray. Father God, the sacrifice is so great. The gift is so amazing. Father, right now we just lay aside any shame or guilt, condemnation that would keep us from freely receiving our identity in you, Jesus. You became sin so that we could be made righteous. You became sick so that we could be healed. You took our blame so that we would be blameless before you. You took our shame so that we would be shameless. Everything we deserved, God, you poured out on your son. And he took it all for us. And everything that Jesus deserved, God, has poured out to you and to me. So, Father, with gratefulness in our hearts, we say thank you. We say thank you. Renew our minds, God. Reveal your Holy Spirit through revelation so that we can live that abundant life that you paid such a great price for us to live. And we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Amen.